Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Now, this is an interesting thing because we just saw David have this awesome victory, didn't he? In kind of this great self-restraint in, in the earlier chapter, in chapter 24, as he just kind of restrained himself, he had Saul right in the right spot. He could have just thrust Saul through, done away with the problem, moved on and been king and just been justified in everything he's doing because Saul was trying to kill him. He, he had perfect, he was delivered into his hand in that sense, but he didn't do that. He acted upon great restraint, handled it in a very godly way, an awesome way. And now, boom, he's got this guy that's responding to him in a, a pretty uh, aggressive manner. And unfortunately, I think it's kind of interesting, right on the heels of this great thing that he handled so well, all of a sudden this is a lesser deal, and he spins out, and he's going to go act rashly over it. You ever found that to be true? You ever noticed how it is when you're on the mountaintop? You have this great, awesome experience, victory, victory, it went well, that situation I didn't flesh out like I normally would have, or whatever it might be. You have this great moment of victory in your journey with the Lord. Are you, does it happen to anybody else, or am I by myself with this, you guys? You gotta forgive me. We're, we're, we're believers, we're not perfect, you know? We're, we're saved, but it's by God's grace. You miss the mark once in a while, right? We're all on the same page, right? Okay. So you get what happens. You have this great victory. It goes good. You feel good about it. But then you turn the corner, and it's not but a moment that you get off that mountain, and you go down into the valley, and then all of a sudden you run right into the demoniac. You see, it, those things are there to show us what happens in our journey. No different than when Jesus showed us the pattern of teaching and testing. Teaching and testing. We learn about something and boom, let's take a test on it. And a lot of us just get handed the test over and over and over again, but eventually we'll get it. God doesn't stamp fail on any of your stuff. It's just you get to take it again. It's just you get the great privilege of the exam over again. Do over, do over, do over, do over, do over. But the idea is, is that here we see David had this great victory, a wonderful opportunity now again to really do something, walk in the spirit here in this situation. Nope, man, gird on your swords. We're going to go, we're going to wipe this guy out. He's crossed the line. He's not doing us right, and that's, he's going to get just what he deserves. That's, that's his mindset. And David's just, it's totally just going to go deal with this all on his own. Great victory. Now all of a sudden he's in this spot. Now Nabal obviously answered, I'm just going to read this to you out of Proverbs chapter 15, because it is an, a good note for us to make of what he's done in his response. In chapter 15, verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. So true. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Isn't that, it? what a great, right in front of us. The foolish person and what kind of man was he? He was a harsh and evil in his doings. That harsh word, and what did it do? It stirred up anger. That's so, 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 so true. 
This harsh word, harsh response, stirs up the anger. Man, David just had this great victory. Now all of a sudden he's all stirred up. Verse 14, now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, remember, Abigail's cool. She's a good woman, attractive gal. Look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. He was rude, disrespectful to them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them. They were in our field, in the fields with us. They, it was a, the journey with them was fine when they were around us. They were a wall to us, both by night and day. All the time we were in, with the keeping of the sheep. So the whole time they were out there caring for the flocks, these guys were out there amongst them and just, you know, were, were good to them. Now, therefore, know, in verse 17, and consider what will you do? For harm is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. This guy's just difficult to deal with. Nobody wants to deal with Nabal. He's an idiot. That it's, it, there's, no, there's no, an idiot's an idiot. And, and when you get to these kind of things, you gotta call it for what it is. The guy's a fool. He acts like a fool. His responses are harsh and abrasive. And it's just, he gets what, you know, you come off that way, you get that bad. You come off that way, you get that bad. You know, it's just, it's just part of the deal. And now he's disrespecting David. And David says, you know what, but I'm just going to take care of this. And that's it. I'm going to go, go after him. This is the, one of the things. Just because someone does one thing to you doesn't mean that's necessarily you're obligated to respond in like fashion. I understand the breeding factor that happens with this. I understand the harsh response, you know, breeds. I understand what it what it happens. But we're not obligated as believers. We've been born again. We are new people in the Lord, and we are not obligated to the old sin nature. That's been killed. We are not obligated to respond to that. I understand the churning that happens, but we're not obligated to respond to that. Behold, all all things have passed away. All things have become new. We're, We're a new creation in the Lord. I understand it happens to all of us, but we're not obligated to it. We can in the Lord Go a new way, a new way in life. This is great. What happens next? Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep ready dressed. It means they're they're ready to throw on the barbecue. Five seahs of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. This gal just got with it, man. I'm going to get this, the supplies over to him. This is available to us. Let's get this over to David. You know, this was a bad move. Now, I think it's interesting that she knows who her spouse is, but she still does the right thing herself. I think that's really cool. That's not a, a, a something that's real common in our world today, and I, I, I acknowledge that, but I really believe it's a biblical thing. She is doing the right thing regardless. She's doing the right thing. Do you, you remember in uh, Acts, in the early chapters there, maybe chapter 5, when Ananias and Sapphira had conspired together 
and agreed, hey, we sold this land for this much, and they wanted to look spiritual because other people were bringing the, the resources that they had, you know, from their selling of their properties, they're bringing their resource, their money, and they're giving it to the apostles. And they, so they agreed, hey, we sold it for this amount. Yeah, okay. So they bring it to the apostles. They lay at the apostles' feet. And they ask, well, so you sold it for this and this. And this. Now, there was no constraint for them to do that. There's no obligation. They didn't have to do that. They, it was, the issue was, they, it was hypocritical. They, they wanted to be seen as spiritual by doing this, okay? So they bring this there. They lay at the feet. And then all of a sudden, you know, Peter starts talking later with uh, Ananias. And he says, Ananias, did you sell the property for thus and so? Well, yes, sure did. And, oh, you know, you, you, you have not lied to man. You've lied to the, the Spirit. And, you know, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, got struck dead. So he gets struck dead. He's dragged out. The bomber was, she came in and she, because of the conspiracy, they had agreed together in this. They had bound together in their fibbings and they had agreed to it because they wanted to seem spiritual. They agreed to it. And then the same thing happened to her. Did it have to go that way? No. If I was her, I said, nope, my husband's a fool. I did not, I agreed to this and I should have never agreed to this. And that's what she should have done. In that sense, in a sense, that's exactly what Abigail's doing. She's saying, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not going to agree to that. I'm going to get this stuff, get this stuff down to David because that's right. He took care of the people, and let's get this stuff down to him. She's doing the right thing in the Lord. That's the point that I'm making. You and I stand before the Lord. Husbands and wives, yes, we stand together before the Lord. We also stand as individuals before the Lord. We stand as individual believers also before God. You can't save your spouse if you have an unsaved spouse, you see. You and I can't do that. Why? Because that's in the hands of the living God, right? So what, we do, what do we have charge over? Our own walk with the Lord. That's what we have charge over. Well, we still, even as married couples, have our own individual relationship with the Lord that we need to maintain. Then we also have an us relationship with the Lord that we need to maintain. But the us relationship with the Lord isn't going to go good unless we're maintaining an individual relationship with the Lord. They go hand in hand, it's interconnected, and it's very important. You as an individual believer need to do what's right in the sight and the eyes of the living God, period. There's no questions about that. The conspiring together is bad news. I love this. She does and does the right thing. Regardless of Nabal foolish guy, she goes and does the right thing. So she said to her servants, go on in verse 19 before me. See, I'm coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. Why? He's an idiot, right? He can't discern when we gave definition. What was the definition? Has no ability to, to have any clarity, whether, you know, natural or spiritual. He's not right in that. He's a fool. So she doesn't tell him. So it was, as she rode on, on the donkey, that she went down under the cover of the hill, and there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. This is what had happened, and this is what David had said about it. And he has repaid me evil for good. 
May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. This is verses 21 and 22 are David's MO. That's his plan. That's what he's going to do. I'm going to wipe this guy's stuff out. He's not done me right, and I'm going to deal with this. Basically, he's taking vengeance all on his own to deal with this. This is his plan. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed to the ground. So she humbled herself in that sense. And so she fell at his feet and said, On me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be. She even, now this gets heavy, huh? Because she actually knows it's her husband. And so she does share in responsibility. She's sharing in responsibility. Now, she clearly knows she wasn't a part of that decision, right? But she's sharing in responsibility of the iniquity. There's oftentimes throughout Scripture when Isaiah, for example, in chapter 6, meets up with God in the temple, right? He meets up with God, and he meets up with God, and, and, you know, God's presence is overwhelming. You remember that was an awesome time. God's presence is there, and he says, what, what, what's Isaiah's response when he sees the Lord high and lifted up? I am a man of unclean lips, personal identification with sin. I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. He took personal identification with the society, the world around him also. I'm I'm a sinner, and I dwell amongst a sinful people. You know, I think sometimes we forget we are sinners saved by God's grace, and we live amongst a lot of other sin and sinners. Not that we are partaking in that. I understand that. But we have to know that's where the the connection or the identification and the depth of compassion and the desire to reach and connect with those people around us in our world that don't live under the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God like you and I get to experience. There's other people that aren't in the shadow of God's goodness and his grace. And man, we want to reach out and connect with them because we are unclean ourselves and we live amongst an unclean people. I know we're forgiven. I understand that. We've been saved by God's grace and mercy. But I think there's that identification of, man, if not for the grace of God, I would be doing the same thing. It's just a good connection that was made. And I think she had that that right heart in this as she yields herself. She says, you know, on me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. And so this isn't just, I don't want you to, this is what I like about the way she says this. She says, and one, she's yielding in her approach. I think that's important. She's yielding in her approach. She's coming at it, giving him respect, okay? He's going to be the future king of Israel. She's giving him respect, Her husband, the exact opposite, wasn't it? She's acting right. She's giving David respect. I I think these are good things, you know, for some of our interaction. She gives David the respect that's due. And and not only does she say, let me speak, but she says, I want you to hear my heart. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Do you read this when, when she says this? Let your maid servant speak in your ears. 
and hear the words of your maidservant. I, I need you to hear what I'm saying also. Not just this, not just words and, and this wah, wah, Charlie Brown noise, you know. But actually, I, I want you to hear my heart. I want you to hear what I'm, I'm saying here. Please let my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal, fool is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. She's going, man, I know he's messed up, and I would have tried to run interference on this. I would have tried to get in there and, and, and not let this go the way it went. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. This is her, her, her request, her challenge, and I would even say more so her counsel. She's actually trying to give David insight. Hey, look, man, the guy is a fool. Because he's a fool doesn't mean you need to act foolishly. This is part of the, the counsel in the lesson. The guy's a fool doesn't mean you have to be a fool. Don't, don't, don't reduce yourself to this, David. You know, this is, this is what the implication is. The Lord has so far held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be as Nabal. They're just going to be fools. And now, this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Says, so look, I brought this stuff. You guys can go have the feast, man. Everything's cool. I just want to give this to you guys. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house. Now, she's got insight now, doesn't she? Spiritual insight into really who David is. Interesting. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles for the Lord, of the Lord, excuse me. And evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord, your God. She says, man, I know that God is with you. I know that God's watching out over you. I know the things that the, the campaigns you're out on in battles, you're fighting on behalf of the Lord. I, I, I acknowledge that. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. Kind of interesting. That's something he might identify with, huh? I mean, she knows something about who he is. You're the dude that had the little stone through this, right? You know, you know, it's interesting. She's very insightful, very well stated. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel. She says, you know, you're going to be king one of these days. This is radical. I mean, she's just stating all of these things that he knows is what God has done. And she's reiterating this stuff back to him. That this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. She's just saying, hey, look at man. 
he's a fool, let it go, God's going to deal with him, don't avenge it, don't. In other words, because he's a fool doesn't mean you need to sin. I, I think that's important. I think that's, that's part of the significance of, of the message for us. Because remember, we saw, this is what happened. David had this great victory. Now, all of a sudden, the enemy, you know, in a sense, has come and is trying to do this character assassination on him in this way and get him to fall prey to doing something and fall into sin for something just that's foolish. The whole thing is. And then she says, remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to me. He acknowledges, you know what, man? It's, yeah, you did what you've done kind of seemingly in the natural sense, but you know what? I acknowledge this, that this is, you are a messenger sent from God. I think it's because he actually listened to what she was saying. He actually listened to what her heart, as she said, hear me, hear what I'm saying. And she, he listened to her, and he got good insight and good directions. Then David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. He says, man, I was going to wipe them all out, and because you've stepped in and you've spoken your peace, this has been godly, I've, I've received the counsel. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, Go in peace to your house. See, I have, in, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. I think that's really cool. You know, I listened to what you said and I respect what you said. It was right. It was good, godly counsel. What's interesting to me is out of everything she said, all she really did was state the obvious all of this was, was kind of known truth amongst the land. The common people knew David was going to rule and reign. The common people wanted that. Saul just had a grip on things still. But the people knew that David, you remember, they would sing songs about Saul had killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. They had a lot of respect for who David was. But David wasn't going to go into some foolish overthrow of the kingdom. And now, fortunately, he didn't do some foolish thing against Nabal. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening to the message today. You know, I was thinking about Jesus being that good shepherd. And he said, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. You know, we just kind of think of that as a door that on hinges that opens and shuts. But really, at that time period, the shepherd was the door himself. He would lay across the opening. And the sheep would have to kind of cross over him and get through him to get in and out of the sheepfold. And he said, All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal 
and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. You know, Jesus was never just a hireling for you or for me. Jesus loves you with a perfect love. He gave his life for you on the cross. He wants to give you life abundant as spoken of in the scripture here. He is the access into everlasting life. Maybe you've been distant from the Lord. You tuned in and you've, you've gone to church before. You've opened your life at one point, but now you're just living out in the world and, and away from God and you're feeling the, the hurt and the shame and the conviction of the sin. Well, Jesus wants to forgive you again in a fresh new way. He wants you to get started on that journey again. And, and maybe you're hearing this simple gospel message for the first time and you want to give your life to Jesus. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you and God wants to give you a chance. Just pray the simple prayer with me. Jesus, I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I want to invite you into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. I want to thank you for the free gift of everlasting life that you've given me now. And I thank you, Lord, for all your goodness, all your grace. And I just ask, Lord, that you would flood my heart with your Holy Spirit now, that my life might bring you honor and glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountain. Come, Lord Jesus, come.